Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Molly Ryder. Welcome to the podcast, More Milk, Please, baby feeding stories from moms plus like me and you. This podcast is designed to be a safe space for women plus to come together and share baby feeding stories. Whether you are expecting or thinking about having kids, a mom, non-binary, an aunt, grandma, or a caregiver, you are welcome because we hear it all. (laughs) From breastfeeding and pumping to tube feeding, bottles, formula, frozen milk, and weaning, our worldwide community is here connecting over some of our most nerve-wracking and intimate moments. I am so glad you're here, dear listener. Oh my goodness, my mom's plus. I hope that you find connection and belonging as you listen. And if this podcast, or me, or our guests, or the stories mean something to you, it would mean the world to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast. It helps new Moms Plus find us so these stories can support even more baby feeding adults out there in the wild world of parenting. To do this, just go to the More Milk Please show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and just hit the plus sign in the top right-hand corner. Of course, the more stars you're willing to give, the better. (laughs) And I so appreciate hearing your thoughts. So if you could please leave a comment, that'd be amazing. I check and read them all and feel immense joy over each one. So thank you, thank you. So much love and hugs. Today, I am very excited to be interviewing Cecilia C. She is a mom of two, an IVF warrior, which we'll hear more about. She's a chartered accountant with over 15 years at a big four firm and recently the co-founder, CFO, and COO of Hey Freya, a company for women that has curated the best health tests and supplements after years of research and practice on women's health. They combine evidence-based innovation with traditional neuropathic medicine to curate health tests and design formulas that synergize with your body. Their supplements are sourced from only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and maximize absorption. I am also incredibly excited to share that Cecilia and Hey Freya are offering listeners a 25% discount on their first purchase with the code MORMILK25. Definitely head to heyfreya.com and check it all out. Welcome, Cecilia. Thank you so much for being on More Milk, please. Thank you, Molly. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you coming on. And I know you have like two very different stories to share between your first and your second. And I think it's just so important for moms to hear and, and to know about. So I really appreciate you sharing and taking us through it. So I'm wondering if you can just start by sharing a little bit about you and your family. Yeah, sure. To start, um, I'm a middle child, which might already say a lot. (laughs) And I'm from Australia, if you can't tell from the accent. So I fled Australia all the way to the US um, coming up to maybe 14, 15 years ago now. And I am the mother of two young kids, uh, a daughter, Camille, she's almost three years old, and a son named Eames, who's five months old. We also have a dog, can't forget him. He was our first baby. I have a third baby, although it's, it breaks my heart. There are days that I don't even pet him. Um, right now. Um, but he, he's, he's adorable. He's, he's, his name is Rupert. We're obviously biased, but he, he's a total, total love bug that runs nice. out of family. And is your, is your partner also from Australia or from here? Yes. Yes. Nice. He is. Nice. Oh, that's so fun. All right. So given that you are an IVF warrior, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about your experience with your first. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, So I actually have amenorrhea or I was diagnosed with amenorrhea. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it means absence of menses or absence of your period. So uh, more simply, I don't ovulate on my own or my body doesn't ovulate on its own. And being the middle child, I have an older sister and and she got her first period, 
know, with, within range age, my mum did as well. And so when I was 17 and I, my period still hadn't come, mm-hmm. uh, we went to see uh, medical professionals. And I remember it to this day, they uh, ran a v- various tests. And at the end of it, the pediatric OBGYN said to me, you're one in a million. I've never seen this before. I've talked to colleagues and they've never heard this before. And I I felt immediately like I knew I shouldn't have done this because it was an answer that I didn't want to hear. Um, but what really stayed with me was when he said, here's the pill, come mm-hmm. back if you want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And he said, with the way technology is going, and this was nearly 20 years ago, he said, with the way technology is going, chances are you'll 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 be able to have some options, but you'll need help. And I still remember it to this day. Um, and so what he, I don't think he intended to do this, Molly, but what ended up happening was I'd convinced myself that I didn't want to have kids anyway. Mm. And I think that was a probably a self-protection mechanism. Um, but literally about 15, 17 years later, I was working in the US. I was sitting in Central Park of all places uh, <laughs> in New York where I was living at the time with a friend of mine who is a doctor and she trained at Columbia University. And she said, I urge you to give us an opinion. And without discounting or oversimplifying my situation, she offered me the reassurance that I never knew that I was looking for or never mm-hmm. knew that I could seek. And she shared that chances are it's not as as uh, dire as I was made to feel as a 17-year-old. So with that being said, I did say, seek a second opinion. They did say, yes, you will need some help. And finally, when I hit geriatric gestational age of 35, uh, I, I still had thought I didn't want kids. And the thought of IVF, everything you see portrayed in the media, I think the, the dialogue is maybe beginning to improve now, uh, or it may just be that I'm tuning into it more intentionally, but mm-hmm. all our perception of IVF were jabs, a lot of jabs in the butt, um, right. did not look fun. You hear about the hormonal roller coaster, the the weight gain roller coaster, and the emotional roller coaster, the financial yeah. strain, all right. of that. So I went to therapy. And they helped me separate the decision between wanting kids mm-hmm. and doing IVF. Mm. So that was very illuminating for me. Yeah. I decided to go through IVF. And I fortunately had a good overall good experience. I, I can get into the very specific details if you're interested, Molly, but we we did two rounds of egg yeah. collection. Okay. Um, I think what often isn't shared with people is that there are the butt jabs, but there are also jabs in your belly. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to scare anyone that hasn't heard this before, but it's it's a bit of a a mind mind play almost more than the the, the fear of the physical pain or the potential physical pain because mm-hmm. most of us don't have direct experience, direct firsthand experience, intentionally jabbing ourselves <laughs> with right. objects. Uh, repeatedly so once you overcome that or once I overcame that all in all it was a productive experience Um, I I didn't have two adverse symptoms fortunately we're fortunate to have enough embryos to build our family but but having said that all all throughout that I just it was just alarming to me or blaringly obvious to me how much room for improvement there is Mm. with regard to a woman's experience conceiving even just a woman's education about what it really takes I was going to ask if you were able to jab yourself or if you had your partner do it or how that was so yeah yeah I I had I think I had him do it the first time mm-hmm. and I found myself holding my breath because mm-hmm. I was so tense and I would I would get lightheaded and I'm someone who is who was a very, very afraid of needles. <laughs> um, very, I would, we would have considered my pain threshold to be extremely low. But when I talked to my fertility doctor and I asked him if lightheadedness was a, a side effect, 
he said, oh, you're, you're probably freaking yourself out. <laughs> and he said that very lovingly. And he was right. And so what we did was my partner was responsible for everything but the actual injection. Mm. And and he made it fun. And this oh, is kudos nice. to him. He would turn on fun music. Um, we'd just do it in the living room. Um, it, it didn't have to be this very scary, isolating, very, I mean, it's all sterile, but it doesn't have to feel so sterile. Right. Like in a bathroom under the bright light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So over time I ended up injecting myself and I I had to, for practical reasons too, I was going to be traveling for work, et cetera. And these go on, can go on for weeks. Um, So I wanted to be able to muster the strength to do it myself and it worked out. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you guys had a dance party in the living room beforehand. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's actually one of my first tips that I share with with anyone who comes to me for tips around IVF because mm-hmm. it, it already feels so heavy. Mm. Like once you um, either decide to pursue it or, you know, yeah, I think it, it that, that moment falls for people in, at different times in the process and can fall multiple times. But for me, it wasn't until, okay, it's time to inject. And I've got the, the medication lined up and, and the needles are there. And yeah, that's, that's when it really hit me. But you know, not only is there not enough dialogue, I think some people also really discount it. Like I consulted a few fertility specialists before choosing mm. to work with mine. And some that I'd met previously were, were so laissez-faire about mm. that I also didn't appreciate. So yeah, if, if I was to offer any wisdom around anyone contemplating IVF, who you choose to be your provider is is critical and I think you see a lot of them they see a lot of you and if there's anything that doesn't feel right or that you don't feel comfortable sharing that you're nervous or feeling like even if you do share that that they wouldn't offer you what you're looking for then you can try to look elsewhere yeah that's such good advice because it's so easy to just think like I interviewed this person and even though like this little thing about them I don't particularly like, it's okay, I'll just deal. And that's not, we can, we can exercise our right to continue to choose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know there's insurance complications, but yeah, exercise our right to choose and or just, just advocate for ourselves, which, Mm -hmm. which is so much easier to say than to do. But while they're the professional, they're there to help us. Yeah. Their job is to help us and not just get us out of their office as quickly as possible. Right. (laughs) Right. So, and that goes beyond IVF. But, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so then you got pregnant and yeah. what was your birth experience like? Oh, uh, it was, it was so wonderful is what I will say. And, you know, I said earlier that my pain threshold, I would have considered my pain threshold to be at zero or minus 100. <laughs> and I'm afraid mm. of needles and I'm afraid of all those sorts of things. And it wasn't until I started interviewing doulas. Mm-hmm. that when I shared with her what I'd like a birth experience to be like, mm-hmm. she sort of dropped in my ear, oh, well, based on what you're telling me, have you considered an out-of-hospital What I'd shared with her is that in high school, so this is the you know the gap in our knowledge around childbirth and conceiving. Mm-hmm. You learn about it in high school, and then you never hear about it again until you're trying or you have difficulty conceiving. I I just remembered watching, being shown this video and whoever it was, I should thank them, but it's a video of a birth, a a woman giving birth in a tub. Mm. And I remember thinking she looks so incredibly relaxed Mm. and was so different from how Hollywood typically portrays childbirth. So I just sprinkled that in um, to that interview with the doula and she mentioned that. And then I went down this, some might argue a rabbit hole. Um, I would describe <laughs> it as uh, a self-education mm-hmm. exercise. And the more I read and the more I informed myself, I felt that that was right for me. And so I delivered um, my daughter in um, the birth center uh, at nice. San Francisco and had a wonderful experience with midwives supported by our lovely doula the birth experience she was it was an 18 hour labor um, from start to finish but like I didn't have the waters breaking I didn't have the bloody show I didn't have anything Mm -hmm. and I I felt 
the sensation um, mm. or good night. And I thought, is this it? I don't even know. But I hoped it was because she was really well and truly baked. I had my, <laughs> yeah, uh, I had my my hospital induction scheduled two days after she came. Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) So she was really well baked. Um, So um, in California, at least, the rules are such that midwives can deliver outside of a hospital up to 42 weeks of gestational age, and then you need to go to a hospital. So we've done the stress testing, we did everything, and I I did everything. I did the acupuncture, I did the dates, I did the pineapple, I did did (laughs) spicy food, and I don't like spicy food. I walked on the sidewalk with a foot on and foot off, and I feel like I did everything. And she finally came. But yeah, it was it was a great experience. It was very empowering. And some women might get triggered by me saying this, but I, I honestly didn't feel like it was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly didn't. And still to this day, my son's a different story. But he, she was not painful. It was uncomfortable. It was yeah. uncomfortable. And my body was all, it was completely involved and occupied, but it felt like it was working almost without me like I didn't need to really do anything it it felt like it was doing it on its own and I I really loved that I just leaned into yeah we've been doing this without how many centuries surely we know how to get this done and I I felt safe which I think is important my partner felt Mm -hmm. safe as well and yeah she she arrived that's fantastic (laughs) yeah yeah Oh, I love that. And I love that it it wasn't painful. I've heard a few stories like that, but I I think it's just one of the magical things that we're sort of scared out of even trusting that it could, that that could happen. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely something I, I'm, I love contributing to in terms of the narrative and and helping Mm -hmm. shape the narrative. And I know that that was my experience with her and it's not Mm -hmm. the same for everyone. But even my own mother, when um, I was getting close, I asked her what it was like. And she mm-hmm. said, oh, I don't want to tell you because I don't want to scare you. And I thought, well, you're scaring me by just saying that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So if anyone's listening and they're pregnant and preparing for childbirth, I think it's 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 so personal what you choose to let in and what you choose to keep out. But I'm a big believer in in you know what, what you need. Yes. Yes. Mama knows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, backing up a step before your daughter came, did you happen to do any research around breastfeeding, baby feeding? What was your experience like before she came? Yeah, it was re- largely informed by close friends and or my sister mm-hmm. um, sharing their breastfeeding journeys. So I didn't actively look into it myself. Yeah. In planning to deliver at the birth center, they do a lovely job of prenatal classes um, and breastfeeding is covered. But I do think it's one of those things that I I approached my, well, I had a different experience with my second where I saw a lactation consultant and I'm I'm sharing this now in answer to this question because I didn't see a lactation consultant with my first. I considered it, but I didn't. And having been through a lactation consultant, I thought, wow, all women should see a lactation consultant before giving birth (laughs) had I known because I think we hear lactation consultant and think they're only there if you have a problem Mm. or they're there to teach you how to latch, how to get the latch going. They're so much more knowledgeable than that. They're a wealth of knowledge. The one that I saw, she was phenomenal. Um, She shared just the cues of listening to the sounds that they make while they're sucking, how many sucks they're taking before they take a breath. So, so much more than just posture and ensuring you don't, like, yeah, just ensuring an, an efficient transfer of milk. Like it's so much more than just that. But going back to what preparation I had done in advance of my first child, it was informed by anecdotes, and the anecdotes were largely negative. Um, oh, interesting. Negative, or oh, that breastfeeding was a was very hard. It was very painful. And you've just got to get through it. it. That was, I think, that was the overarching message. That yes, mm. it's all, but you've just got to get through it. And if my sister listens to this, she'll probably say, why did you say this? In the <laughs> but um, she described it as toe curling pain. Oh. And so when I had my first and I literally had a piece of my nipple detach from the rest of the nipple. Oh no. I had a piece of flesh um, hanging off. 
but we, I thought, well, this is part of it. And yeah, there's, there's blood and, you know, yeah. and I'll get, I'll get through it. Fortunately, the midwives do postpartum visits mm-hmm. very quickly after giving birth. And so they came and asked how it was going and, and asked if they could see. And I showed them, oh, please. Yeah. Let's, let's revisit that. So yeah, if that sums up the prep, it was, it's a lot of anecdotes, um, fortunately or unfortunately, um, not as informed as perhaps they could or should be. And I think if you aren't pregnant or not actively breastfeeding, we generalizing tend to tune it out or it goes Mm -hmm. in one ear and out the other. So I didn't think to look more into it until it affected me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially when you're in that last trimester and there's so much week to week that you're dealing with and then just getting ready for baby, it's hard to even think about afterwards in that regard. Also, if you're a breastfeeding mom thinking about breastfeeding or are an underproducer like me, get your hands on my free 10 best breastfeeding and pumping tips because you deserve an easier, pain-free experience. Seriously, I want you to feel victorious in your breastfeeding and pumping. So go to mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips to get your copy today. Did you happen to also have a pump um, before you gave birth or did that come after and what pump did you choose? Yes, I had a pump. I'm nervous to say the name of it because I'm not a fan of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's one of the wireless ones. Yeah. And what sold me was that I used to travel a lot for work. And so their selling points were you can wear it under your shirt. No one will see it. Uh, you can wear it on the plane. You can wear it while driving. Um, and I thought sold. Yeah. Um, but I I didn't love that particular pump. Um, yeah. I then resorted to a hand pump, like a manual hand pump mm-hmm. uh, that a friend recommended. Well, she didn't recommend. She used it herself and she said that she's had a great experience and I still use it today. Nice. nice. Low fidelity, low yeah. fidelity easy to clean. It's efficient. Uh, I don't need to connect it to any sort of app. I can see very clearly how much it's pumped and I'm done. (laughs) That's That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Nice. Let's jump into the the first feedings. How did like it go at the hospital and then in those first few days and when the, when the jewelers came to visit? Yeah. So um, at the birth center with the midwives, we did the, the baby crawl. So to allow the baby to crawl um, to find the breast, which is which is beautiful, it seemed fine. I'd mm-hmm. say when they're first born and you have no idea what it's meant to feel like, mm-hmm. and others are saying, "Yeah, it looks good," you 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 take them for what they're saying, and maybe she she was doing great in that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, at a birth center, you actually go home, um, generally speaking, about five to six hours after giving birth, assuming everything uh-huh. looks good. Mm-hmm. Midwives return to your house first thing the next morning, so they aren't leaving you high and dry. It's um, this is time for you and baby, and of course, if there's anything that comes up, you can reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's emergencies, you can also reach out, of course. But they they let you rest, which mm-hmm. I think is such a gift. So that first night, she just slept through the night, and it's it's such a painful instruction to receive when they say she'll be sleepy, but wake her up. <laughs> every two to three hours you have to yeah. um so yeah the first first few days I think we we thought we were doing it right and I think it takes a good few days to maybe start feeling the pain because you aren't having her open wide enough and get the real flange um right. shape of her mouth and um so fortunately the midwives came day one, day two, day five, something like that, like every every couple of days. And so they could see the progress we were making and also check in on the discomfort or any discomfort I was feeling. Yeah. Um, so we were able to course correct. But but yes, there was a piece of my my pole that was falling off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will I will say though that once we got the latch correctly and once I was really more intentional about getting a newborn head on. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a penny had dropped and oh this is how it's meant to feel 
And it's not painful. It's not meant to be painful for anybody. And it actually, I remember it feeling to me, feeling like almost like a gentle massage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was actually quite comfortable. And uh, I loved it. I I loved breastfeeding. And I was fortunate to stay home with, with her for the first eight months of her life. It was COVID, deep, deep COVID. So coming from Australia, no family were able to fly in. They weren't able to leave their country. And we were very nervous about letting anyone, any third-party carer, care for her. Right. So for eight months, we basically exclusively breastfed. I only pumped when I had a hair appointment or a appointment <laughs> or we went to wine country or something like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. And we, we only stopped because we were doing IVF for our second mm-hmm. and fertility specialists recommend weaning before right. we begin the medication. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have any favorite positions? Did you mainly side lie? Did you hold her? What was, what was your go-to? I'm so plain vanilla, Molly, that yeah, we just did the, the plain yeah. vanilla hold. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> just right there on the lap. That's yeah, way. that's right. Yeah. And while you were breastfeeding, did you have like a certain station set up? Do you have favorite things? Did you listen to like a podcast? Did you just stare at your beautiful baby? What was your what was your experience like during that? I I did a lot of reading. Mm. Actually, I can't remember where I read where I read this, but I I I subscribed to talk to your baby. That unsolicited advice that they'll they'll say describe what you're doing, even though they can't respond to you. You're informing you know, the 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 neurons in her brain. You're firing the, her communication skills. So I I did a lot of reading on my Kindle. Sometimes I would read out loud, which is a little, a lot slower, Um, Mm -hmm. but I did a lot of reading first and foremost. And then otherwise sending a lot of pictures of her to family and friends that see her given it was COVID and a a lot of video calls again. (laughs) Nice. Did you have any favorite products in those early days to help with like the sore nipples and things? Yes, I will swear by and still do the silverette nipple cups Mm. yeah they're if you haven't heard of them before they're pure silver and yes they fortunately they they ship very quickly so if you don't (laughs) need them you don't necessarily need to purchase them in advance um but if it's it's a wonderful gift for a friend if they are struggling with latch or any discomfort issues you essentially put them on. They're almost like little muffin tins, really tiny muffin tins. That's the best way I could describe them. Nice. Um, and you can put sit them in a bra. But if your if your nipples are that chafed and all that sore, it creates a barrier between your nipple and anything that you're wearing. Mm. So if nothing rubs against them. Yeah. And they don't need any lotion or any cream. It's it's just the silver silver cups and your breast milk will probably especially in those first few weeks leak a little or the letdown will express a little just the breast milk in the silver cup just heals healed my nipples mm, and wow. um, yeah and um they have this beautiful program where at the end of it um, you can send them back and they can you know, initial oh, cool. them in, so you can keep it as a little momentum oh that's really neat yeah oh that's beautiful thank you for sharing that Awesome. All right. Well, let's hear about your son. What was uh, your birth experience like with him? So I described my daughters as not painful. (laughs) I wouldn't go as far as to say his was, but I think if, if hers were different or if hers were like more like his, I probably would have had other thoughts about approaching his birth. <laughs> so his was different. I will say second time round, we delivered at home. That's that's the first thing. So we would have happily gone back to the birth center, but we had since moved across the bridge to the East Bay and I didn't want to risk yeah. being on that bridge. I'm sure right. anyone who's familiar <laughs> with Bay Area can it's and, a long bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a long bridge and a lot of things can happen on that bridge and do happen on that bridge. Yes. Um so we delivered at home and what I've learned from midwives is that it, they they see this commonly that subsequent mothers um they it's almost like they're so focused on their first or their older you know especially if they're younger that they're not 
something about the brain and your body doesn't, I don't know if I'm describing it correctly, but how I would describe it is that it's almost like you don't recognize labor as, as well as you may have if it was your first mm. time around because your brain is, is I guess, distracted by the responsibility of caretaking for your older one. Right. Um, on top of everything else. <laughs> yes. On top of mom life and woman load and yeah. being open. Yes. So he was due during the one week of daycare break. Mm. <laughs> oh, which is wonderful. And my doula, we, we worked with the same doula again and the midwives had said, we'd be really surprised if he decides to come during that week because you'll already be feeling a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's on you. And funnily enough, the Wednesday of that week was the only day that we had a play date lined up Mm-hmm. Um, we do everything together. We're one of those families. And so she's never really spent time at a friend's place without us. So mm-hmm. mother already worrying about that. Right. Um, but it was her best friend from daycare and his lovely parents had, had said, we'd be happy to take her off your hands just so you can think about labor or think about <laughs> Put the bag together, you know, yeah, yeah, things exactly. ready at the home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so and that was that was the day he decided wow. to come. But yeah, I I was kind of, I think, um, in denial that, that that was happening because he wasn't as late as his sister was, mm-hmm. and also I'd I'd gone into it thinking, yeah, my body's not going to want to give birth when I've got my toddler to worry about, you know, right. emotionally and logistically, like what are we going to do when she's not at daycare? But sure enough, he did come and I was on the couch the night before watching carpool karaoke (laughs) when I felt a different sensation. And the midwives had said that birds or labor can feel different with different birds, but you'll likely recognize that it's labor. Mm -hmm. Um, And with him, I did have the bloody show at 2am that morning. I did have these regular sensations, but were very different to hers. And it ultimately, I think the difference in sensation is, was due to his position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I called our doula to come over and, and we already had a prenatal appointment scheduled for that day. Mm-hmm. And I shared with the midwives, I think this is a bloody show. Here's a picture of it. Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. uh, they decided, oh, don't, don't come to us. We'll come to you. Okay. And yeah, that was around noon and they, they saw me and, you know, I was chatting and, I, I thought I was fine and way off actually giving birth, but they said, I think you're further along than you might even think you are. Mm. Casey, my, my partner, my husband, he, they said, oh, you might be time for you to, to fill the tub. So oh, really? yeah. we're there already? Okay. So, yeah. So what can I tell you that's interesting about it? I would say that second time around, I felt more in control, whereas with my first, I felt like my body just took over mm-hmm. and did it for me. This, this time around, I could almost control the timing of the contractions, which was really oh, wow. weird on the brain because, you know, we wanted him to come, but that means a lot of work on my body with right. increasingly more effort as he gets closer. So it's such a weird thing to want to walk towards that. So it was a bit of a push and pull. And when we debriefed after, my husband said to me, I knew you were stalling. <laughs> like mm. the was really stalling. And he said, I wasn't going to tell you anything, but you know, we had to pick up our daughter from our friend's place. <laughs> um, we got this window. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So I'm I'm fortunate that he didn't say anything in the moment. And yeah, so so our son came four hours after that, but wow. he could have come much faster, but I wasn't quite ready. Yeah. And- did you get to labor in the tub or did that not get filled in time? No, it did. It did. I did. And it's the tubs, my friends, are truly incredible. Truly. I I am amazed at how effective they are. They actually stalled my birth um, Mm. because I was just so relaxed. I know that doesn't happen for everyone. I can't speak for everybody's experience, but yeah, it would slow me down. So if I wanted to just chill out, I would just sit (laughs) and Like, let's just think another minute about this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Oh, well, I'm so glad that that went so well. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's not easy. And I remember, I think we've captured on video. I think the first thing I say is we're not doing this again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. I think first I say that was bloody hard. And second thing I say is we're not doing this again. <laughs> so um, I, I'm assuming you felt it more this time as well. Yeah, yes. Yes, I did. Um, yes, yes. And I, I think um, I'm going to, I won't even attempt the medical terminology, but I believe his skull was like rubbing against my spine and pelvis mm-hmm. as, as he was going down. So it was a lot of back pressure. So it's definitely pressure, but it literally feels like bone is rubbing on bone. And I think that is what's happening. And and even though their skulls are so soft and malleable, it's still not what is normally down there and not moving down there. So it it is uncomfortable. And I, but I I don't, I don't regret choosing that path at all, but I I was surprised that it could be so different from my first. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was, what was it like immediately afterwards? Did you, were you able to do the crawl again or how did that go? Yeah, we we tried to do the crawl. I can't. I don't know that he got there. I think I don't. I don't know if it's second time of it or um or again the the ticking time of oh Dawn is coming home soon. But right. hey, let's get you on while I'm in here. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I. I think I did some more encouragement this time around. But yeah, and I think having nursed my toddler for fourteen months, what I'd found was I, and this is how the lactation consultant described my style when she observed me was that I was feeding the newborn the way my body remembered feeding my toddler, Mm -hmm. which is a very different things. Uh, So, you know, get the head in and like really get the head on and really think about the flange. And I I didn't want a piece of my nipple to fall off again (laughs) with him. So I, I had the silverette cups ready to go just in case. Yeah. But I think even the posture cues were invaluable yeah feeding a newborn is so different to feeding a 14 month old yeah um, yeah 14 month no hold knows where to go knows right <laughs> they're on it they're <laughs> be everywhere. yeah but the, the newborn is really completely reliant on you so having that refresher was truly invaluable I think saved saved any pain from yeah oh that's so great and so what was it like when your daughter came home oh we filmed this too <laughs> It was a, it was it was a suggestion from from friends to do that their first meeting yeah. yeah she so I think I think some of the things that I worry about as and I'll call it the mum the part of the mum load is the mm-hmm. emotional well being of of your kiddos and I was most worried that she wouldn't feel like she was our world mm-hmm. when he arrived and so we got her a gift from him. Mm-hmm. and we got him a gift from her yeah so when my husband had gone to pick her up from our friend's place or her friend's place he'd given her the gift it was a, it's a little stuffy and said oh baby brother's here and this is the gift for baby brother and she ran in and she said where's where's mama of course like where's mama and um yeah again it's captured on video but I say oh look here's baby brother and she says look mama look mama Good. Like it was just Aww. about the stuffy. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half. No, she was two and a half then. So yeah. Uh yeah, it was very sweet. She's still very sweet towards him. Um, I think once he starts moving on his own. Yeah. Yeah, it was it's a sweet moment. And um as as a mom deciding to give her a sibling and to extend mm-hmm. expand our family, it was just really lovely. It's just a lovely feeling to know that they'll have each other. And and it also just seems like we're going to have so much fun watching yeah. the two of them interact. And yeah, it was it was a beautiful moment. That's awesome. Oh, I love that you guys got it on tape. That's great. Good yeah. recommendation from friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll happily take good recommendations. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> So um, after that first latch and kind of going forward, what was how, what has the breastfeeding experience been like? Yeah, um, I would say it's been really, really smooth. Mm. I would say thanks to the lactation consultant, though. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So with these midwives that we delivered at home with, part of the experience includes a lactation consultant coming, I think it was very early on, whether it's day three or day five, to your home. Yeah. And I think it's those early days that are so critical. And yeah had her session, um, I thought I should have done this before. Oh, and all mothers should preparing for for having a baby. So yeah, it's no no dramas. I will I will say though, I'll be honest and say it did feel like a bit of a drag, like we're here again. Right. Uh, and like the here again in that my body's not mine mm-hmm. for a while. And 
I enjoyed a short window of reclaiming it <laughs> between um, you know weaning my my toddler and going through IVF and falling pregnant yeah. again. But yeah, it's you love them so much, but it's also but unlike yeah. some of me too, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I, I admit that feeling did come. It's 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 past now, but it was back to oh, I have to. Do I feel like I have to uh, be more mindful about what I consume? Mm-hmm. He's well nourished, and uh, yeah, it's it's back to yeah, so much more about my choices aren't just affecting me, uh, right? When when you're nursing, so yeah, he he recently started with a nanny um so sooner than our toddler had so I'm back on the pump um, mm-hmm. which is which is just another drag like oh we're back yeah. to this thing again right yeah and you're using the manual pump again I am yeah I I, I have considered a, a, a non-manual mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can't overcome the, the simplicity of the manual one yeah just fewer pieces easy yeah. to clean um, so yeah, it's 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 been going well so far. Did you know that 90% of mothers felt lonely after having children and 54% felt friendless after giving birth? This according to a recent UK survey of more than 2000 mothers. I can definitely relate. I had a hard time after my daughter was born which is why I've started my free private Facebook group for Moms Plus called More Milk Please, Strong Supportive Mamas. Come join us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash More Milk Please and find the connection and belonging you desire. Look forward to seeing you there. And how has your son taken to the bottle? Was that transition challenging at all or that okay yeah uh we were more intentional about that this time around with our daughter we had offered it to her I think at week three and she took Mm -hmm. it like a dream and Mm -hmm. we thought oh great she will take the bottle Um, (laughs) and it was purely because I was fortunate to be home with her it was purely out of laziness like I didn't want to clean a pump and a bottle that I would just nurse her and um so it wasn't until a couple months later that I had a hair appointment. Um, <laughs> no, I had a massage. I had a massage. Oh, nice. First, yeah. First massage, postpartum. Yeah. Lovely. And I emerged from the massage feeling like a new person. And I checked my phone um, to see if there were any cries for help from my husband. And he said, she's fine. She's great. She's still asleep. I said, perfect. And the massage therapist asked me, oh, do you have a few more minutes? And if you do, I can teach you some massage for your abdomen area, your belly area. Nice. Um, I said, great. Yeah, I have time. So she ended up teaching me a few different massages for about 20 minutes. And upon leaving, I checked my phone again and my husband had videoed and sent to me multiple <laughs> videos of her melting down, rejecting the video, re- rejecting the bottle, having an absolute um, <laughs> not great time. So then I very rapidly emerged from my Zen state and yeah. you know, spent home as quickly as possible. So um, all that to say, we, <laughs> we wanted to avoid that. Um, and we, we had gone through a period of her rejecting it. So we, we did um, have to Caught her back into it. So, mm-hmm. with with our son, um, with the help of a postpartum doula, she recommended. And I, I think I feel like I I work well with specific instruction. Yeah. On this day, do this for this right. one. And so, what was helpful was she had said, you know, every other day offer like a snack in between feeds, mm. um, just so he knows that milk can come from this as well as you. Mm-hmm. And so we just kept that up. Obviously, there were, of course, many weeks that we didn't do it every couple of days, uh, but we did try to keep um, offering it to him every now and then, even though it was a pain to pump and clean the pump and clean the right. bottles. But yeah. Um, yeah, he's fortunately been okay. Nice, nice. And then I'm also curious with your daughter, how did weaning go? What what did you all do to to wean her? So in uh in Cantonese, which is 
a language that our par- both my husband and my parents speak and we or I speak very poorly. The word for milk sounds like banana. Like Oh, interesting. It's nine I. Um, and so banana like nana for a lot of little kids. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we actually sort of intentionally or unintentionally started swapping it out and we'd offer her a banana instead. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and she took it. Yeah, so that was one of the steps. The other step was, rather than me, it was my husband going in with a bottle Mm, mm -hmm. and she didn't want that. So we figured, well, you don't really want the milk then. So, yeah, I I was really hoping that she would lead with Mm -hmm. the weaning and and tell me that she she was ready and done. But, yeah, thanks to IVF, I guess, um, we had a hard deadline of we need to be weaned by this date. So, um, yeah. I do think I experienced some of that emotional tug of, oh, like this phase is over. And right. I thank my husband for not making as big a deal of it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I could easily lump this in the bucket of things that the non-nursing parent can overly simplify, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about too much. But right. I think he just got up and got the bottle to give it to her, to offer it to her, or maybe just got up Monday and gave her a banana instead. And, and that was, that was it. Like that was the last, the last feed before that was the last feed. So I didn't have that beautiful Instagram worthy moment of mm. this is our last nursing session together. Like we didn't do that, <laughs> which I think worked, probably worked better for my well being because I probably would have been on the floor um, if I had yeah. <laughs> a time that that would have yeah. been the last session. I probably would have been, yeah, beside myself. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that we're we've done some weaning we're not totally done but it it is true like it's almost just recognizing oh that she's hungry so like let me offer her food instead of you know the easy go-to which she sees me I'm in front of her like boobs right (laughs) yeah 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 yes yeah it's it's a big decision I feel Mm -hmm. um yeah but yeah yeah. the one thing I'm like sort of I think selfishly and maybe lazily still holding on to it for is because it's so easy it's such an easy way to quiet her oh <laughs> yes. like yeah. when she's crying I'm like, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah yes yes oh yes she that's another big difference between she and my son she fell asleep at the breast almost almost every time mm. and I'm not going to disrupt that I know that there's a school of thought out there that says to not associate the two together but I'm sorry if it works yeah <laughs> there's a reason it works first of all I would say and yes. I'm not going to then wake her up if she's already fallen <laughs> right. asleep but my son he'll he very rarely doesn't work oh, but interesting. I remember thinking um in getting our daughter to fall asleep I could always just whip that out that was always the, <laughs> the fail and yeah. I remember thinking oh my heart goes out to anyone who can't nurse because they don't have that kill a weapon <laughs> yeah yeah and they don't and the ba- the babies don't connect to bottles in that same way but no yes. yeah yeah but it doesn't work for every baby apparently not as effective on my son unfortunately yes yeah so sound like with with your daughter you're really still in the height of covid so maybe not going out so much when you're like when you're breastfeeding or pumping or anything, but, um, with your son or maybe towards the end when she was older, what was the breastfeeding experience like out in public and social situations? Yeah, I would say that I consider myself fortunate to have had women around me who were just loud and proud about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just normalized it without even talking about it, that I very, willingly ran into and joined that camp of yeah I have a breast look at it if you want to don't look <laughs> if you don't want to but that's how I'm feeding my baby and likely maybe how you were fed by your parents yeah so to yes. I I think I do feel somewhat strongly about it. I I as long as you're comfortable as long as mama is comfortable I feel like we should be able to do us so yeah, but but having said that, I went into it thinking I should be somewhat discreet. Mm-hmm. I felt the need to be discreet, and I think that's society and you know, yeah. how we've been conditioned. But I, I'd bought a couple of nursing-friendly clothes, the tops and 
sweaters that you know you can zip down and right kind of thing or I would hide myself behind the stroller and um yeah but it was so liberating to to be able to nurse around these my friends dear friends now that um were just yeah not not announcing it but just yeah here we are and we're nursing and um it just makes your clothing options a lot more flexible like you don't need to focus on nursing friendly clothing Right. Wear, wear whatever you like. Um, yeah. Why should we have to wear certain clothing, or why should we have to cover ourselves around babies? I, I don't know. That's my that's my personal view. Um, and so, um, with my second, Molly and I, you and I were chatting just before we hopped on this, but he's a lot more distracted a baby than mm. my daughter was. So at five months, maybe around four months old already, he looks around a lot while we're nursing. And so I've had to, I, I, I'm not choosing to be as public as often because he's just so distracted and so interested in the world around him. Right. Um, <laughs> so um, I have tried the nursing or just a swaddle, like just mm. tuck him with a swaddle or some muslin um, and that works to varying degrees. But otherwise I've had to take him to quiet place with no one else around in darkness, basically <laughs> get him to focus. But yeah, it's not it's not because I I I want to hide it. It's I would love to not have to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love like when fellow moms are just there to support each other and it's like I don't have to say anything. It's no big deal. We're just doing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is no big deal and yeah. I I, I can't tell you the most bizarre place I've nursed, but I I've nursed like wherever. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit and have you share more about Hey Freya and how it came about and, you know, what what people can expect when they visit the website. Yeah, sure. Uh, so you heard a little bit about my own personal journey with fertility um, and feeling dismissed by medical professionals um, and just the abundance of opportunity for improvement <laughs> that there is with regard to helping women mm. in their health. So what Hey Freya really is all about is, is, is tackling the lack of accessible, high-quality, um, science-backed, doctor-approved solutions that are currently available to women. How it came about is uh, myself and two co-founders, we met at a virtual because of COVID, um, femtech networking event. And we instantly clicked and we all, we each have different stories and different skills. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Thara Vayali is a naturopathic doctor. She treated women for over 10 years directly and saw firsthand the problems or the symptoms that they feel and the problems that they faced in seeking help um, mm. in what is currently available. And so we're really trying to help women with, with finding access to reliable care and the care that they're really looking for. I feel like the market or what we're marketed as women today is oftentimes things for our partners and or for our children mm-hmm. and really isn't for ourselves. And in addition to that, there are a lot of offerings for people conceiving. And then there's a lot now, fortunately, seems to be there are a few more, I won't say a lot, a few more offerings for women who are going through menopause or about to go through menopause. And there is, there really isn't anything for that white space between <laughs> those two life stages. And I know we're talking about breastfeeding and a lot of babies and pregnancy conversation here today, but there are far more women who aren't pregnant or mm-hmm. nursing and far more women who aren't menopausal just yet. And yeah. so who's looking after them? Yeah. So really that's what we're what we're all about. And nice. so we came together to combine my background in MA strategy and operations, my co-founders naturopathic and medical background, and our other co-founders tech know-how and get things done know-how. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So it mentions on the site there's like a health test that people take. And then how does that help them figure out what they should be utilizing and the supplements you offer? Yeah, so currently we are offering uh, solutions for adrenal health. And so what we found is that women's number one health concern is stress. And we may not be calling it that, Mm -hmm. or we may just throw out the word stress here and there, but 
oftentimes, and, and what our chief medical officer saw in her practice with women is that it can be tied to your adrenal function. Mm. And again, this is something that women aren't necessarily making the connection to. They may not know what adrenal function is. Um, they may not know what affects it, what it drives in your body. It's actually responsible for a lot of important things, which mm. can result in a lot of the symptoms that we feel day to day. And we might discount to being just tired. So mm. things like trouble sleeping or trouble staying asleep, um, things like brain fog, things like feelings of overwhelm and anxiety. You know, we're, we're in a society where we just keep calm and carry on and well, she's doing it. So I guess this is what life is, right. uh, but it really doesn't have to be. So, so the first product that we've got out there is that four point cortisol lab test. It's saliva based. It's a spit in the tube situation. And what you get, it's a, it's a clear lab certified test, first of all, but what you receive is a very comprehensive wellness report, which includes a look at your cortisol and how it behaves over a 24 hour period. Oh, interesting. And based on that, uh, we offer um, recommendations on our proprietary formulated uh, supplement products mm. that are really specifically designed for women and they're efficient, which is the great thing. So while many of us may take supplements, oftentimes we don't know if they're working or we're recommended several from several different bottles, perhaps what we've done or what our chief medical officer really has done is formulate the most efficient and potent uh, formulas that we can take very easily. One of our nursing friendly products, Nourish, that's the one that I'm taking at the moment, is just one pill a day and it nice. gives us what we really need as women mm-hmm. and it just meets the the gaps that that women generally um, are looking to fill nice. and so yeah with, with the test you'll get your report and you'll get your product recommendations and there is an option through our membership to have a complimentary health coaching session too so that you really get walked through what it means because oftentimes yeah. We get these results and if it's medical jargon, you don't know if it's important and you're left to Google it on your own um, and what to do with it. So we have have a team that will walk you through what it really means and what you can do about it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm very excited too. Thank you so much for the the 25% off code. So that again is more milk 25. If you want to go to heyfreya.com and check it all out. Oh, sorry, my name is heyfreya.co. Just .co. To, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heyfreya.co. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Perfect. All right. Well, let's dig into some fun closing rapid fire questions. So what was your daughter's first food or early foods? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was avocado. I think it was avocado. Nice. Um, nice. That's a good one. I didn't like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, it's more fun for spreading around anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you a morning or night person? Oh, I've become a morning person, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely one of those moms. I know you said rapid fire. Sorry, Molly. No, that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm going against the rules, but I've become one of those moms that stretches out every evening because that's the only time we have to ourselves. Yeah. Much to you know, our dismay the next morning. Right. Um, Nice. Nice. And then do you prefer coffee or tea or something else? I love a good coffee. Um, if anyone knows another Australian where we tend to be coffee snobs, um, <laughs> nice. self-professed coffee snobs. So I'm, I'm in that bucket. Excellent. Excellent. And what is your go-to recharge activity? Movement. Hmm. To move. Nice. And then what's one thing your partner does that really helps you out? He feeds us. Hmm. Uh, physically. Uh, so we, we probably were 50, 50 with cooking mm-hmm. prior to kids. And then when kids came, it, he's 50, you slowly crept up to 85 to 90. It's probably 99.9 now, <laughs> with kids, but thank goodness for him. And he's, he's a good cook. So we're, we're very lucky, but yeah, I, awesome. I probably wouldn't be fed if it wasn't for him. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share or any additional resources you'd like to let moms know about? Um, no, maybe just to welcome everyone to follow us at heyfreya.co on Instagram, 
and check out our website and join our mailing list. Uh, we're really passionate about helping women advocate for themselves so that that education piece is so critical. So even if you're not interested in any of the products, just, just being better versed in your health is something that we're passionate about and knowing that it's coming from a place where we really do want to help women feel unstoppable, really, yeah. ultimately what we want to achieve. I love that. See you there. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Cecilia. I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been so powerful and you've given so many great resources. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a fellow Mama Plus. And if you're interested in coming on to share your own baby feeding story, head to mollyrider.com and click on share your story. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.